it seems like leadership would be an easy thing to understand. Take charge, be wise in your decisions, be an example to others. But it is more intricate than that. Leadership demands patience, conviction that what you are doing is right, and a great ability to forgive. Abraham Lincoln is arguably the greatest leader our country has ever had. He is responsible for leading the country through the Civil War, helping to begin healing the wrong of slavery in our country, and almost certainly with knowledge sacrificing his life for his efforts. One of Lincoln's key leadership skills was patience. He said, A man watches his pear tree day after day, impatient for the ripening of the fruit. Let him attempt to force this process, and he may spoil both fruit and tree. But let him patiently wait, and the ripe pear at length falls into his lap. The self-proclaimed leader often tries to run the process his or herself. They are forceful, uncompassionate, and untrusting. Lincoln wasn't this way. He realized the process had to work for those he was leading as well. This was true for him in his run for the presidency, in how he surrounded himself with political rivals, and in how he executed the war, in such a way that it led to victory. That being said, when it was time to do something, Lincoln did it. This was true with the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing slaves from their owners nationally. Lincoln for a long time, and still today, is often criticized, not for calling for this right away. But I believe it was part of his patience, trying to get the country up to speed on a change long due. It does sound like a great wrong to not stand up to great injustice wherever it is seen. And yet, I wonder if the truth is that Lincoln was never blind about the great wrong, but felt that a longer-term strategy was needed to accomplish the goal. Lincoln was also very humble and was not afraid to ask for forgiveness. His virtues were always his guide, and unlike leaders who don't like to be argued with, Lincoln seemed to crave to have dissent, with respect, of course, all around him. It helped hold him to his virtues and to being a good man. Once a colonel rode to Lincoln's home to request his help in securing the body of his wife, who had died in a steamboat accident. Lincoln listened, but irritated that his chance to rest had been interrupted, didn't offer to help. Am I to have no rest? Is there no hour or spot when or way I may escape this constant call? Why do you follow me out here with such business as this? The colonel returned home. The next morning, Lincoln was at his door. I was a brute last night, Lincoln said, willing to help the colonel in any way he could. Lincoln also understood the power of humor. Humor could build trust with political rivals, with the American people, and help bring some much-needed lightheartedness, even into tough situations. Lincoln would not hesitate to recite a fable, an anecdote, or a joke. When I was a young man in Illinois, he said, I boarded for a time with a deacon of the Presbyterian Church. One night I was roused from my sleep by a rap at the door, and I heard the deacon's voice exclaiming, Arise, Abraham, the day of judgment has come. I sprang from my bed and rushed to the window and saw the stars falling in great showers, but looking back at them in the heavens, I saw the grand old constellations, with which I was so well acquainted, fixed and true in their places. Gentlemen, the world did not come to an end then, nor will the Union now. Humor containing wisdom seemed to be Lincoln's favorite way to do business. In this instance, inviting the listener not to be one of the great panickers, but the great believers in the Union, like one in the makeup of the stars. Once Lincoln was called to a meeting of Midwestern leaders, and each complained and asked Lincoln to do many things. Lincoln listened until all the men were finished, and then he spoke. I am not going to do a single thing any of you have asked. Lincoln then told a story about a family of farmers who were always moving, so much so that each time they moved they had less and less. Soon they had everything down to one wagon. 
They moved so often that when the chickens saw the wagon sheets go up, they would immediately lie on their backs and cross their legs, ready to be tied. Now, Lincoln said, if I were to be guided by every committee that comes in that door, I might just as well cross my hands and let you tie me. Nevertheless, I am glad to see you. Notice the respect from Lincoln for the men in this story. He listens to them, he is kind to them, but he's also very clear. Beyond the humor, there is another great leadership skill, to not get caught up in people-pleasing or the little things that others could do, but to remain focused on the most important things. Lincoln wasn't afraid to ask for help. He wasn't bashful about recognizing someone was better than him at something. He wasn't shy about bringing someone in. Frederick Douglass, for example, who understood a situation better than he did. Lincoln would be more apt at times to put aside his own view and attempt to see both sides of a situation. And yet Lincoln, for these very reasons, was the greatest man of his time. Because he was a different kind of leader, not a hot-headed one that clung to thinking he was right, but a humble, patient, and virtue-led leader, he was quite misunderstood, and during his presidency, despised by many. Frederick Douglass once said of Lincoln, Few great public men have ever been the victims of fiercer denunciation than Abraham Lincoln was during his administration. He was often wounded in the house of his friends. Reproaches came thick and fast upon him from within and from without, and from opposite quarters. He was assailed by abolitionists. He was assailed by slaveholders. He was assailed by the men who were for peace at any price. He was assailed by those who were for more prosecution of the war. He was assailed for not making the war an abolition war. He was bitterly assailed for making the war an abolition war. I'm sure Lincoln did not being so unliked, but more important to him was doing the right thing. This is another sign of a great leader, the commitment to do the right thing even when it is the harder thing to do. And lastly, and I think so important, especially for a national leader, Lincoln had the ability to, to appeal to the best in his fellow Americans, the best in his fellow human beings. As he shared in his first inaugural address, I believe arguably the greatest speech in our nation's history. I am loath to close. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory, stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land, will yet swell the chorus of the Union, when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature. The part about the better angels of our nature is what is most remembered, for good reason. Yet, I've always been drawn to the mystic chords of memory. The better angels of our nature speaks to the idea that we have a greater being to turn to and help us, which is powerful, of course, but the mystic chords of memory speaks even more deeply to me, to the idea that within us all is a part of us that knows our unity and the greatness capable within our union. No better words could have been spoken back in those days, and perhaps no greater words could be applied to our union today.